This episode is sponsored in part by Privacy. It's like a burner phone for your credit cards. To sign up for free and get a $5 credit, go to privacy.com slash GOG. This episode is also sponsored by Warby Parker. Glasses shouldn't cost as much as an iPhone. Warby Parker's prescription eyeglasses start at $95, including prescription lenses. Head to warbyparker.com slash GOG to order your free home try-ons today. Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. Now, Brian, ranting is kind of our bread and butter around here, right? Uh, it's what we do best. It is. I And now I have a bread and butter rant for you. Have you ever tried to buy a toaster on Amazon? I can't say that i have no i would recommend that if you do you do not read the reviews i was trying to buy a toaster today because our shit the bed and i swear to god there are people out there with micrometers and FLIR cameras finding the perfect piece of toast and if it is not exactly perfect one star that's it nope one star the people who say yeah it <laughs> toasts the bread five stars it's great whatever i don't care it It's a toaster. What are you people talking about? Those are my heroes. Those people are heroes to me. But the people are just like, nope, nope. You got different pictures of the front and the backside and everything. I'm just like, dude, it's a $19 toaster. What are you expecting? Nuclear fission? A lot of people have way too much time on their hands. Oh, my God. But I got a new toaster coming anyway. So Good. I can't wait go. for your one-star review. <laughs> there we go. Yes. I, I got the new FLIR camera for my iPhone so I can make sure it is perfectly warmed on both sides. Oh, boy. <sighs> God. Some people. Some people. So one week on without Facebook, and I haven't missed it a bit. <laughs> it's like I took the bookmark out. Don't have to go there. Don't have to log into it with anything because it's not part of my day job anymore. I kind of like it. I don't. I, I would. Uh, okay, maybe not part of your day job, but I, I certainly think part of this podcast would be at least on Facebook. Well, you do the socials, so <laughs> there you go. No, I meant more the experience of it, so then we can talk about it and crap on it. Mm. So there's really nothing that I get from going on Facebook anymore that that contributes to the show. Yeah, you, you know, know? I, I have some thoughts on that, actually, because uh, I saw that you put this in there and I, I have not I would say it was inspired by you, but it wasn't. So let's be honest. I just haven't. <laughs> I'm not that important. <laughs> no, I, I haven't quit Facebook by any means, but there's just uh, since since my dad passed and, and kind of dealing with all that sort of stuff, I haven't felt the desire to post much. Right. Um, so so my involvement on social media has nosedived considerably over the last couple of weeks. And uh, I don't really miss it much either. I, I respond to other people's things. Uh, when people write me, I respond to them. Um, I'm still happy to see what my friends are up to. And if I have something to say about that, I'll, I'll do that. But I just haven't really posted myself much any anymore. And it, uh, I don't miss that very much, to be honest. Um, but I would miss Facebook. I don't have the issues with Facebook that so many people do, and we'll get into those in a minute. Uh, I just want, I'm, I was trying to figure out why, as I took my bike ride today, why Facebook didn't bother me as much as it seems to bother most people or as much as it seems to cause problems these days for our society, which it definitely does. And I, I realize it's because I have such a walled off garden of my own Facebook. I have created my own little universe of people with the very small exception. Uh, Dave Bittner would be one of them that I've only met in real life that 
I get along with, that I respect their opinions, that they're quite bright, they're quite smart. I don't have an open profile. I don't, uh, I use an ad blocker. I use, uh, what's that plugin that we all use? Uh, Facebook Purity. Yep. Um, so I have a very, I, I unfollowed basically every single brand on Facebook. I only follow news sources that are you know, as impartial as impartial can be these days. I don't get fake news. I don't see shitty ads. I don't see dumb people fighting. I have a very clean <laughs> and enjoyable Facebook experience. You have, but, a, I, but I've you worked have a perfectly manicured, yes, you know, I, curated. I've, I've worked very yeah. hard to to keep that experience the way I want to. And sure, you can make an argument that uh, that I'm just in my own little bubble, but it's a fucking nice bubble. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> hey, you know, it's my house. Yeah, it's my house, and I don't I want assholes it, here. I keep it the way I want it, and to me, it's it's continued to be a very enjoyable experience. But I understand why it's not for other people, and uh, we've got some articles to talk about about that. So before we get into those articles, that's what I was thinking about this morning as well. It's like all of this communication is. I, I've I've been saying this for a long time on the show that I think that we have way too much communication. The fact that everybody can talk to everybody else. Yeah, well, that's a pro. It can be a problem. The fact that there's 150 different reviews on a toaster it tells me oh, no, there's no, way no. too much communication. <laughs> I hate to break it to you, there were over 1600 reviews on this toaster that I bought. Gotcha. 1600. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. And you remember Path a long time ago, where yes. it limited it limited your social networks to 50 people. You know, now I think that was a little bit Extreme. too low. I mean, they should have they should have gone to Dunbar's number and gotten it to at least like 150. Yeah, but I think that if I was king of the world, I would federally mandate that no social network can have a group of gatherings larger than 150 people. You can join multiple groups, but no one group can be larger than 150 people. So everybody can get to know each other and hear each other. Once right. you get past Dunbar's number, things fall apart. Okay. I, that's, I'm okay I mean, that's with just that my idea. thinking. Yeah. Yep. So and I think I mean how many friends do you have on Facebook? I, for you, Mister Popular, probably like five hundred. But I'm under. I'm like four. I'm always around like four eighty or four ninety. Okay, but, I was at, yeah. I was at around two fifty, and that was even too much because I'm like, eh, there's some dicks in here. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta, you know, weed the dicks out. But eh, I'm just like, yeah, why screw uh, it? Unfollow is a wonderful feature. It really kind of <laughs> is. Yeah, I wish I wish that you know shadow ban was just built into everything. I mean, I guess you can mute. On Facebook, you just mute somebody and you don't hear it and you still remain no, you, friends. Like, literally, you unfollow them. You're still friends with them, but you unfollow them. You don't see their updates in your timeline. Ah, there, okay. there are some people that, for political reasons, I didn't feel I could unfriend, but I've certainly unfollowed. And and again, like I said, I have a very manicured Facebook experience. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've been enjoying Twitter again, though. It's just, I've noticed. Know, it's nice. I can mm -hmm. say if... Because on Twitter, I can just say whatever the hell I want, and it's fine. It's public. Everybody knows about it, and they know I'm a dick, so I just run with it. <laughs> it's well, fun. yeah, some people have not had that experience on Twitter this week. I don't even think that made our news because we weren't uh, the New York Times uh, new hire for the editorial uh, has gotten in a lot of trouble for old sarcastic tweets. But you also do what I do, which is we delete all our old tweets. Yep. As I've we've got a new <laughs> story about that coming well. right up. Yes. <laughs> so let's move into some follow up. All right, let's talk about Facebook. Uh, Facebook <laughs> Wait, is having just doing that. <laughs> Facebook is having a no good, very bad week. Uh, sort of. 
I, their stock tanked, which meant I broke my rule. I said I would never own Facebook stock. But when a company that is best in show in the entire universe and is the number one social media network out there loses 20% of its value in one day, bye, bye, you buy. Bye, bye, bye. And I did. And it is coming back up. So that was very good for me. I will sell it eventually because for long reasons, I don't think Facebook will be here forever. And I don't think that their team is smart enough to pivot the way that they need to pivot. So it's a temporary hold, but I've made a little bit of money already, so that's nice. All right. But let's talk about the problems that they're continuing to have. Now, the first article I found was a really good one is don't fear fake accounts on Facebook. Fear Facebook itself. And it's basically a response to Facebook removing a very small amount of, of fake accounts and uh, different accounts that they saw that were already trying to hack the next election cycle. Uh, it was like 32. And, it was like some yeah, ridiculously like stupid tiny. number. Yeah. Uh, and what they're saying is really... Unless they open themselves up to letting outside people look in, who moderates the moderators is what this yeah. article is saying. And mm -hmm. they're saying that uh, they're not letting anybody. We're trusting them when we know that we can't trust them to give us their own reports about what's going on. Uh, we know that Western intelligence agencies, including the CIA and NSA, are deeply involved in going through Facebook and data harvesting as well, which Facebook claims to care about so deeply, but they aren't stopping. And they're not going to stop because at the end of the day, it's their bottom line is to deliver maximum profit for its shareholders. And That's we right. have no reason to trust them. And we don't even know what they are anymore. And we should worry about that because they are one of the biggest companies in the world and certainly one of the most influential. So there's that uh, New York Times article about the expensive education of Mark Zuckerberg in Silicon Valley, which is great. Again, this gets into it about how these things have weaponized communication, which is what you were just talking about. They've weaponized yep. digital communication. <laughs> they have skewed things so far to the left or the right or yes or no or black or white. There's no middle ground anymore. There's no decent conversation. And this works for them. This works for them perfectly because it makes the money. It gets the views. It gets the clicks going. And, <laughs> and now it makes you money because you're a shareholder. Yeah, well, I'm part of the problem, I suppose, right? So this article gets into the, how they've mutated human communication, connecting people is too much about pitting them against each other now and turbocharging that discord to an unprecedented and damaging volume works for them. Uh, I like the little thing that he said at the end. He did a, the, the author of this article did a Q&A at YouTube and one staffer told him that jobs are, <laughs> that used to be about wrangling cat videos have now degenerated into a daily hell of ethics debates about the fate of humanity. And I would argue <laughs> that you may be having those debates, but you guys aren't doing shit about it yeah debate all you want actually get off your ass and do something yep uh, a little chris hardwick follow-up he is going back to america's got talent as a guest judge which that's I don't still care a show unfortunately yes i oh. used to watch it and when the hoff was on because it's it's the hoff i mean right. you gotta watch it with the hoff but uh yeah it's a terrible show but uh, he's also going back to the wall so that that basically rounds up everything that we've talked about in the past is nbc gonna bring him back apparently so Yep. Well, and, and James Gunn, also in the news for getting booted from the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise over some old, really bad jokes from like 10 years ago. Jim Jeffries did a great bit on his show about it this week. And the entire cast of Guardians of the Galaxy says, bring him back. It's fucking stupid. Just stop yeah. it, Disney. This this PC, you know, war on just everything needs to stop. So. I, I don't know if he's back yet. Uh, as of this morning, he wasn't. I couldn't find anything of it if he was coming back. But yeah, just, you, you tell a few bad jokes and then you're off of your multi-gazillion dollar franchise because some prude at Disney says, no, we don't like that. Yeah, it's it's a problem. It definitely is a problem. Uh, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Bird and electric scooters. Uh, the LA Times has an article called Cities Crackdown on Electric Scooter Scofflaws. 
Scufflaws. <laughs> while trying to untangle the chaos of a new technology. This is a good getting you up to speed article if you are new to the show and haven't heard us ranting about these things for months. I would make an argument with the headline, though, that this is hardly a new technology. Scooters have been around for fucking ever. Right. Yeah. It's just no, I mean, they've been, you know, dumped on us <laughs> by the bolt load. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, before I mean, go back to the Razor days. I hated Razor scooters so damn mm-hmm. much. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this now they just put a motor on it and it's a thing. And look, it's got an app. So yeah. now it's changing the world. And then we had breaking news here in uh, Venice, uh, just down the street. In fact, a, a good friend of my, mine posted on Facebook while this was occurring, which is how I found out about it. And then I found out more stuff on Twitter. Uh, apparently, an entire house burned down in Venice the other night because uh, they had about 20 or 30 of these bird and lime scooters charging in the house. And uh, <laughs> whoops! what happens I... when you buy really cheap Chinese products with crappy batteries and then you put a whole bunch of them on creaky old AC? Yeah, <laughs> in our third world infrastructure. Yes. Oh man. Uh, so I did a did a search. I was trying to find something to back up the this claim that you had to see if I could find any articles about it, and I couldn't. But in in doing so, I did a Google search for scooter charging fire, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just go look at it. It's going to be updated since since I looked at it. But yes, there are many of these scooters that are exploding when you try and charge them. Hoverboard two point Anyone. Except they're everywhere and you're everybody's bringing them into their own houses. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, have fun with that. Exactly. Let's take what's possibly a damaged lithium ion battery and plug it in and then go to sleep. What could go wrong? Well, <laughs> there's a link in our show notes that has a video of what exactly will go wrong. Yeah, that was a crazy fire. <laughs> I wasn't able to find an actual um, you know, news article itself on it yet either. I'm sure one will be coming. I just have the uh, couple different Twitter threads of people that were watching it at the time and then interviews and blah, blah, blah. So, okay. okay. I'm sure something... Man on the street. <laughs> yes, man on the street type stuff. Now, we have talked a lot about 23andMe and the other DNA testing companies. Well... what did we say was going to happen jason oh that they were going to take our data and sell it and sell it to insurance companies and then we weren't going to be able to get insured and then it was going to be a bigger divide of the classes because the healthy people we we said so much about it i don't even know where to start man what did 23 and me do this week jason they raised 300 million dollars from a from a drug giant i say a doug giant yes so it is happening. Uh, it started already. So GlaxoSmithKline has announced it has acquired a $300 million stake in 23andMe. Of course, that is to get at the data. Now, there's lots of language in here about how there's going to be anonymization, blah, blah, blah. And as we all know, <laughs> doesn't work. doesn't work. There's no such thing. Uh, the nice part about this article over at Business Insider is it goes through the process of deleting your uh, or removing your samples and DNA data from the databases maintained by 23andMe, Ancestry, and another company called Helix. It is a tricky process for all of them, but if you have done this, I would suggest you uh, look into it. I just don't give a shit anymore. I know you don't. <laughs> I really don't. And I'm, un- Verge... I'm uninsurable anyway, so who cares? <laughs> <laughs> and The Verge is reporting that uh, they are, these companies are slowly coming around to the backlash that is uh, occurring. Like, all of a sudden, they're like, huh, people don't like the idea that we're going to sell their DNA data without their consent. So now they're coming up with some new promises that uh, they're not going to do this and there needs to be express consent from customers before transferring their genetic data to third parties. The problem here with that, though, is this deal that they that, that they made with GlaxoSmithKline when they are partial owners means they're no longer a third party. Are they? Exactly. They're yeah, not. well, there's the workaround. <laughs> yep. 
Remember yeah. how remember how AT&T can't give the NSA or the CIA <laughs> your data without a court order, but they can sell it to them. So, yes, they can. You know, this is just another workaround to get your data to somebody else. And, you know, for me, I'm just like, eh, maybe they'll come up with a drug that can fix me. Who knows? Maybe. I'm not knows? I'm not too worried about it, honestly. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, when when they when, it, when we get to Gattaca territory, call me. But for now, I'm like, maybe they'll come up with some decent drugs. I'm going to try and be I'm going to try and be optimistic about this. Honestly, you 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 go for that. I am not. Um, <laughs> and I don't think our listeners are either. A couple sent in some articles. Beta Bucket sent a CNN report. Oh, why 23andMe's new venture scares me. And they said other people are noticing the smarminess of 23andMe. Wait for them to patent someone's DNA because it has a marker that the next Viagra is based on. Yeah, that'll probably try to happen. Uh, Rob sent us, this sounds nice and scary. And I know you guys have brought up this exact thing happening with insurance companies. And it's another link to the idea that the, the drug company just bought out uh, bought out a huge stake in 23andMe. So mm-hmm. yes, uh, the TLDR on that entire article is, should you be concerned? Yes. Yes, you should. <laughs> Now I'm going to I'm going to read you a headline that breaks Betteridge's <laughs> law. Yes. This comes from the next web. It's an open thread. Should Twitter users automatically delete old tweets? The answer to this is yes. Yes. I've only been saying it for 10 fucking years. <sighs> if that so. was uh, if that would have happened, James Gunn wouldn't be having any problems. If that would have happened, Sarah Jong in the New York Times, who we haven't talked about on the show, but just Google it, it's all over the place, wouldn't be having any problems. I would argue they shouldn't be having any problems anyways because they're fucking jokes. But yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. And, uh, and, and obviously in the article, they, they give you a link to how to do that, how to get rid of your tweets. And it's the same service that we've talked about on the show before. And it's the one that I use. So that's why I only have about 100 tweets in there. And I've only been on there for since, oh, I don't know, the day they started. So <laughs> I use it as well. So we both use it. Highly recommended. Now, uh, movie pass. Oh, movie pass. It was funny. What the- could possibly go wrong with the business model, Jason? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were talking about it last week, and it, I didn't mention it on the show, but a uh, friend of the show, Chen, was like, I can't buy my movie ticket. What's going on? Because <laughs> it was broken when we were recording the show. That's when they had their big, oh, we can't pay anything, so we're just turning off the service. Well, it's been up and down. They raised a few bucks here and there, but they're going to raise their subscription price. Oh, big surprise there i give these guys six more months and you will never hear from them again no because you can't just raise your prices like that because then you alienate all the people that bought in at the price that they were at so you're just going to lose people left right and center and you know how i know this isn't going to work at all because you've run a subscription service on the internet and you know that you can never raise the fucking price (laughs) yes i know you can't raise the price i mean just the the movie pass itself is not going to make it they're going to crash and burn i know this because somebody named eric the accountant sent us some articles that they aren't going to make it on Twitter. And if his name is Eric, the accountant, he must know. He must be smarter than we are. Yes, he's an accountant. He knows they're not going to make it. (laughs) So I haven't been watching John Oliver's show very much lately. I watch it because I feel like I need to, but it's sadness porn. Well, that's the thing. And (laughs) and if you if you break down the formula of the show, you know exactly how the show is going to go every week. You just wait to see what the topic's going to be, and then you can just kind of script it out. It's it it is so formulaic at this point that I'm just like eh, I just don't care. So I saw this thing on the verge though. Says, John Oliver fixes Facebook's apology ad to remind you that the company still doesn't care about you. Now it's not the bit of the show that I'm actually going to talk about here. It's the fact that when I went to the Verge, I had to go to a video that they embedded that wasn't from HBO. It wasn't from the show. It wasn't from last week tonight. It was from some dude. And okay. 
And the the way that some dude did his video, he did it in two parts. So the the punchline at the very end, you had to go to the next video. So he got more views so he could monetize better. And I'm like, I just thought it was very irresponsible for The Verge to link to said video from somebody who just didn't give any fucks about the actual content in it. And it bothered me. It bothered me that this, you know, news organization would just have to go and find, you know, something to link to. I'd be like... Yeah, well, we'd like to link to the video, but there is no official video up yet. So when when it comes out, we'll link to it. But for now, go get HBO and then have an affiliate code to go buy HBO and watch <laughs> the video. That's how you should make money. That's that's just my two cents. It just really annoyed me for some reason. Understood. This episode is sponsored in part by Privacy. Privacy is the first payments product that keeps your personal information private while being even more convenient than using a regular credit card online. Privacy lets you generate a brand new Visa number for every purchase you make online with one click with their browser extension or mobile app. We all buy stuff online more and more, and what Privacy does is give you a temp card number for every site you buy from. Never forget to cancel subscriptions or trials ever again. That alone, right there, worth the price of admission. Oh yeah, that price, by the way, is free. They make their money the same way debit cards do with interchange fees paid by the merchants. If you use a password manager, and we know you all do because you listen to this show, you should definitely use privacy. You don't use the same password everywhere. Why use the same credit card number? Cards are locked to a merchant, so you don't have to worry about changing your card everywhere if one gets hacked, which we all know it will. Sign up takes less than two minutes, and like I said, it's completely free. Look, it's controlled. You can freeze cards and set spending limits. It's secure. Cards lock to merchants, making them useless to thieves and hackers. And it's private. Protect yourself from online fraud with virtual card numbers. And it's disposable. You can delete cards at any time. So no more subscriptions that you forgot about. It's great. To sign up for free and get a $5 credit, just go to privacy.com slash GOG. That's $5 to spend anywhere by just signing up. Privacy.com GOG. It's a no-brainer. Get on it now. Privacy.com slash GOG. In the news... We've talked a lot about the gig economy and, and I've railed about it and sent it isn't the idea that we're supposed to have one job that helps us pay for everything. And apparently that's <laughs> gone out the window. Uh, so but, funny. So funny. <laughs> the real issue here is the U.S. government doesn't even know how big the econ- the gig economy is. <clears throat> By some measures, more than half of the American workforce could be participating in the gig economy within the next decade. More as more Americans take on employment from the likes of Uber and Airbnb, this type of work is becoming integral to Americans' livelihoods and the importance of tracking it increases. But the size and scope of the gig economy is difficult to measure. The government actually really can't do it and uh, gets into a number of different reasons and uh, different studies in this article. Uh, But the sentence that really bummed me out, the paragraph that made me kind of weep a little bit into my into my whiskey last night. (laughs) The idea that a primary job will pay for most expenses and can be relied on is no longer the case for working Americans, says Luis Hyman, director of Cornell's Future of Work Project and a co-director of the Gig Economy Data Hub, a resource that pulls together and clarifies the various studies on the gig economy. Well, sigh, Brian, I have a question for you about that. (laughs) You have never had a primary job. You've always been an entrepreneur and ran your own company. So why does that bother you so much? Because the vast majority of Americans have typically done that. My wife does that. She has a job that pays all her bills. And that's that she uh, and to be honest, I mean, I don't know if that's a fair comparison. I started my own business. So, yeah, I took on a bunch of different people, but I was it was one business that I was running. I wasn't doing side hustles. I just had exactly. But that was 
But you didn't have a job. You you were the job giver. You were the yes. creator of jobs. Yes, I was a creator of jobs in which yeah. I hired like maybe 10 people. You hired me once or twice. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Cheap motherfucker. Yeah. Um, but it's <laughs> funny because I, so I, I'm thinking through my head right now. I'm just like, how many people do I know that actually have jobs that go to work for a company? And mm, we are very self-selecting many. sample though, Jason. Yeah, we, we run many. in we run in a pretty weird circle of people that do their own goddamn things and it's all internet based and all that sort of stuff. Now you know, pull into middle America, into any town. Yeah. Everybody there is yeah. doing at least used to be doing just a job. Right. So no. I I mean I I would <clears throat> say though, it's like sixty five percent of my friends are either entrepreneurs have their own business or just, you know, do side jobs to make ends meet. But, you know, 35% actually work for a company. Right. So it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. And, but in nobody, I know no one in my circle of friends that drives for Uber or Lyft. Me but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and if you do, they, if they do, they just don't tell me because yeah. they know I'd rip them apart on the show or get them on as an interview. That's true. Well, on the other side of things, as we're talking about how people can no longer get one job to make ends meet anymore, Apple is now worth $1 trillion. Woo! Pop the champagne. Yeah, it's perhaps a meaningless milestone, but humans do love big round numbers. And when Apple's share price hit $207.05 yesterday, it became the first U.S. public company to reach a $1 trillion market capitalization. Wow. Two hundred and seven. I, I that's great. I bought it one eighteen. I'm happy. <laughs> go you go, Apple. <laughs> yeah, again, we're part of the problem. I agree. Uh, yeah, <laughs> all three of my shares. You know, <laughs> oh, if I sold all of them, then I could buy one more share. That's yeah. about, that's about how much money I made off of it. But right, uh, I have an article in here from the New York Times, and it's not really an article. It's one, it's a cool web graphic. Somebody mm-hmm. did some really cool JavaScript, and it's uh, Apple's value hit $1 trillion, add Disney to Bank of America, and then you're halfway there. That's crazy. <laughs> Which is pretty fun. And it, it's a visual representation of all of these major companies, like in, you know, the S&P 500 and like what it takes to become one Apple. Right. Because think of it. A trillion dollars is $1,000 billion. Yes. And a billion dollars is $1,000 million. So it's an astronomical fucking sum of money. It's insane. It is an insane sum of money. Um, yeah. It's, it should almost be criminal. And some would argue it is. Which some is would my argue next article. Is. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so while we were all busy patting ourselves on the back yesterday for being shareholders in Apple and sticking with Apple and thinking that Apple is a good company, well, how did they get to that trillion? Uh, largely in part thanks to tax cuts and tax aversion schemes. Yeah, uh, being, early, a, being dicks. Yeah, being <laughs> That's dicks. That's kind of it. <laughs> Earlier this year, Apple benefited from a huge tax cut from Congress. We talked about that on the show when it happened, allowing the company to pay 10.5% of taxes on foreign earnings versus 35%. So they saved, wait for it, $55 billion right there. That's With a, a good chunk towards the <laughs> trillion. Yeah. And since then, Apple has been using its profits from the tax cut to buy back shares of its own stocks, a process that props up share prices, makes them go up, and generally benefits the company brass while doing fuck all for the actual workers, the ones that now have to go get side hustle gigs with Uber. <laughs> There's been a lot of talks about how these buyback schemes from companies are really screwing the workers. Yep, they it's, totally are. Yeah, and the been, fact I, that this is a trillion dollar company just kind of makes you sick. Yeah, I read at least three or four articles this week on on stock buyback programs because they have all this money now, mm-hmm. thanks to you know Trumpy was it Trumponomics, <laughs> and it, it's just kind of it's kind of disgusting. Even though I'm a shareholder, so I'm a dick. 
Yeah, we're part of the problem. And uh, the article goes on, says the other half of the the other shoe that drops with this is Apple also owes its outrageous valuation to its expert tax avoidance schemes. The company squirrels away much of its money in the English island of Jersey, which has notoriously lax taxation rules. They've accumulated more than one hundred and twenty eight billion dollars in profits offshore and probably much more that is untaxed by the United States and hardly touched by any other country. One hundred and twenty eight billion dollars. I wonder how much that is per square foot for the island of Jersey. Uh, if they don't own it outright, they probably should. That should yeah. be Apple's next step is just buy themselves an island to base themselves on and say, we're kings of the world. <laughs> we're getting I- island mate. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So the funny thing about this is is Apple is doing gangbusters. Like they're the biggest company in the world ever right now. And as we've been talking about repeatedly over the past few years, Apple's products have gotten worse and worse. Their quality control is getting worse. Their laptops are getting rid of ports. Everything yeah. about them is actually getting worse. And we got uh, we got a tweet from a retired Mixa on Twitter about uh, how Apple can no longer recover data from MacBooks if the logic board fails because they started pulling out the parts that let you save them. Yeah, there's no port to actually plug into the SSD anymore since it's wired to the board. They can't actually just plug in any kind of data recovery cable to get the data off of it, which yep. I, I actually found this article before and I sent it to a couple of people who were talking about getting the new MacBooks. And I'm like, don't. Do yeah. not do it. Don't <laughs> because, do it. No. And I'm in the process of transferring my entire um, recording studio here over to my Tron's Taint PC because, <laughs> you know, once these once these MacBooks fail, they're, they're, they've already stopped, you know, making new ones. So they're just selling remnant inventory now of the 2015 MacBook Pros. And I'm like, I, you know, I, I do work on my my iMac, but. Yep. I, I need two computers. I need a recording one and I need an editing one. And so for recording, it doesn't take much. But I'm like, I'm not going to get another Mac to do that because they're overpriced. You know, I was I was kind of not joking three years ago when you finally convinced me to switch over to Mac that that we'd both be back on PC in a little while. And I got to tell you, when it's time for me to get a new computer, I might go PC again because I don't like this path that they're going down. My biggest issue is finding really good audio software for the PC. I mean, yeah. I love Logic so much. And there's just so much you can do with a Mac with audio. It is it's fantastic, and everything is just a hack on a PC. But you but know, if you ain't it's got like, no ports, if you ain't got no ports and you ain't got no money, <laughs> it, it comes down to like just how much those things cost. I'm going to be paying off that iMac for another three years. Yeah, so yeah. I can't get another one. It's crazy. Well, I know somebody you could hit up for some money. Who can I hit up for some money? Why don't you send an email to Jeff Bezos' parents? Papa Bezos's grandpappies. I love this story. <laughs> it is kind of crazy. So he had his parents invest nearly a quarter of a million dollars in Amazon in 1995. Be nice to have parents that could invest a quarter of a million dollars in your ventures, wouldn't <laughs> he it? He couldn't get two dollars and fifty. Boy, he really must have bootstrapped himself up from nothing, Jason. This is another one of them American success stories. Jeff Bezos <laughs> is self-made, right next to the Kardashians. <laughs> yeah, if your parents can give you a quarter of a million dollar investment, you are not a self-made man. Anyways, they did, and the theory now, there's that nobody can actually see this. Nobody knows if how much the stock the couple still owns. But if the analysis is correct and they kept all of their bits, they are worth $30 billion. That's insane. Right? Talk about <laughs> ROI. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. God, yeah, but I do love those self-made stories. You know, really, I know. I mean, self really man. brought himself up from nothing. The mean streets of wherever the hell rich place they grew up in. <laughs> the, me- the mean streets of the cul-de-sac. <laughs> <laughs> the, me- <laughs> the mean cul-de-sac. I think we have a show title. 
Oh, so right film sleep repeat. Send us this article on Twitter. Uber is ending its autonomous truck program to focus on self-driving cars. There are two things about this that I really enjoy. So (laughs) Uber blew $680 million on the truck developer Auto, which lasted. So uh, $340 million a year to just shudder it. (laughs) Yep. Uh, again, again, and and everybody else has to go drive for Uber to make a living. But you can blow three hundred and forty million dollars a year. The other part about this is just I love the way that the author of the story threw this line in there. The company remains committed to further developing its self-driving car program, comma, which has only killed one pedestrian so far. <laughs> so far. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. That is just the perfect (laughs) amount of like, fuck you to Uber in that one sentence. (laughs) Just twisting the knife a little bit, just a little tossing it out. We've only killed one person so far. I almost fell off my chair laughing when I read that line. Here's the funny bit. If you Mm. actually look at how many people Uber drivers have killed... The number uh, is it actually works out in favor of the Uber's self-driving, self-driving cars. cars. They've killed considerably less people. Also, it, self-driving cars haven't raped a single woman. I was just going to say their rape stats are perfect. <laughs> 0% raping from uh yeah, the Uber self-driving car. Oh, 0% raping would also be a good show title, but I don't think we can go with that one. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And Uber and Lyft are currently fighting a very critical battle against New York City, and hopefully this time they may not win. This is according to Recode. So once again, uh, City is trying to propose some rules to these people so that they just can't do whatever the hell they want. And this one would propose a 12-month freeze on new ride-hail cars while they do a study of how Uber, Lyft, and local competitors affect traffic congestion and livable wages. Now, Uber and Lyft are saying, well, we can't do that because that's not going to work out well for us, is it? <laughs> no. Uh, so come they're on. fighting Why it. Why could we as, ever do that? <laughs> they're fighting it as much as they can, including emailing all their customers to say, go, please say that your our prices are going to go higher soon unless you guys uh, stop the government from doing something. So we'll see what happens. But uh, the real fear here, obviously, for Uber and Lyft is if New York City wins and does get to put the caps on and and stop their growth and do some studies, other cities are going to go, hey, we should probably do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, I uh, I am taking up the banner of your artificial intelligence uh, stories this week as well, because uh, you did your rundown two weeks ago and I've been keeping up with it. This one is artificial intelligence can predict your personality by scanning your eyes. Yeah. Oh, what so, could go wrong with this one? What could go wrong with this? So there's 42. Okay. First off, the study only monitored 42 people. There are 42 human participants total oh, where they God. monitored eye movements. And then it went into this uh, AI program, which uh, checked cross-checked findings with regular. Here's my other problem. Well-established questionnaires. I was not aware of the fact that we had all signed off in the scientific community that we have a big five personality traits, openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. That's science? Is that official? I've heard or that before that, from, heard, yeah, life, there's, there's, from generally from life coachy people. Yeah, it's a life coachy thing. It's not really full on science. And we don't have a science of personality. We don't. This is not official stuff. This is, you know, some people come up with it. There's some schools of psychology that think this is how we can break things down. But it's more goopy science than it's science. Let's be honest. Goopy science. Yeah. Sadly, that is a thing now. I know. 
I can't go off on that rant right now. It'll take up the whole show. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, the, uh, the supposedly the artificial intelligence was able to reliably identify four of the five. It was able to do neuroticism, extroversion, agreeableness, and conscientiousness. It could not figure out openness somehow, because I probably couldn't tell you exactly what openness is, because nobody can. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> no problem. And then the next one I had is the UK wants to become the world leader in ethical AI. Is there such okay. a thing? Well, I think we'd have to define what that is first, but uh, good on them. The UK Prime Minister Theresa May announced her country's goal to become a world leader in ethical AI, and they've unveiled the AI sector deal, a comprehensive policy that establishes a partnership between government, academia, and industry to address residents' and businesses' goals and concerns with respect to AI. I like this idea. I like it. You know, they know they can't compete with the US or China with AI funding and development. Uh, so they're going to do the, all right, well, we'll do the ethics aspect of it. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Hopefully that works out. Give it a shot. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, uh, yeah, and, I, would just, I would just really like to see what, what the definition of ethics are in this day and age. Well, we took a class, Jason. Oh, yeah, you didn't finish. So. Yeah, no. I ethically bowed out because I was, <laughs> I was ethically bored of the class. <laughs> it was a good class. I'm sorry that you didn't like it. Uh, we talked a little bit a couple of weeks back about how Amazon's uh, got two different businesses, really. They've got their hosting business and then they've got their store. Well, they also have a third business, which is their video business, and they are launching on Comcast Xfinity X1 later this year. This is a big deal for Amazon. It's going to get their video out there a lot more than it ever had before, because let's be honest, right now it's a bit of a pain in the ass to watch anything on Amazon. Yeah, yeah, it is. I just got another uh, little Roku stick for my ancient non-smart TV so I could watch Amazon video. Uh, the biggest, I think the biggest problem with Amazon Prime Video is that there's have, nothing to watch. Yeah, they don't have a good show. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have anything good on there. They have a lot of foreign movies that are... I think I would have been really happy with if I, when I was back when I was 14 years old. Yeah. I There's think, a lot of foreign movies with a lot of nudity. A lot of boobies. A lot of <laughs> yeah. boobies. Yep. I, I think you can really kind of sum it up that they greenlit The Man in the High Castle for season three. Oh, that God. right there should tell you that they are just scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. And they even took uh, they took the Top Gear guys and somehow managed to make them boring. I know, I know. And last season wasn't too bad, except for that, I think it was the last episode that was just god-awful. But yeah. I liked last season. I thought it was okay. They fixed a lot of it, but they still have Conversation Street, <laughs> which is just the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> Although, when you think about it, our entire show is just Conversation, Conversation Street. <laughs> we need to put some jazz music in the background. <laughs> oh. Now, you had your AI stories, and now I have an AI story of my own. The team from Brazil's Pontifical Catholic University of Rio Grande do Sul, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's basically a Catholic, you know, yeah. school. Yeah. Uh, they have created an AI that will slap a bikini on your naughty bits. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, yes. Because this is what the world needs from AI. Nipples, nipple, like nipple stickers. That's basically what it is. They've, they've created nipple stickers. Well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> it's going to put like most of the Philippines out of work now. I know. That's all they're doing is going through the sites and taking off pictures of nudity. I know all of the those armies of virtual assistants that are in, in the Philippines and everywhere else over there are just going to be out of a job. So what are they going to do now? Right. Oh, God. Yes. That, that saddens me. That saddens me that brain, brains like that could, that can actually create something like that are actually using it for that purpose. Makes me sad. Now, this one I call bullshit on. This comes from Quartz, 
who has been putting out some really kind of not great stuff lately. But this comes actually from Nielsen, the, you know, the company that tests all the media and figures out who's watching what, when, where, why, and how. Yeah. They say U.S. adults are spending more than 11 hours a day on average or about two thirds of their waking time consuming media in some form. 11 hours. Now, I want you to think about that for a second, and you tell me how that is possible. uh, Can't be working. I guess if you're just sitting in your Uber and watching things on your phone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I mean, it it comes across as like almost impossible. Yeah, I don't don't see how, unless, again, you can't work, you can't have family, you can't have kids, you can't... you can't do anything. All, all you're doing then is is watching media or listening but, or you listen to this, that and the other. It's just like it just seems like it, I mean, it, I suppose if you really think about it and if you push the rule, uh, if you if you bend the rules and because, again, statistics, we can make anything, anything that we want. Right. right. You know, you know, yeah, their loophole is on average. Yeah, I can argue that the entire time. The time I'm at work, I'm listening to podcasts. So I'm consuming media for that eight to nine hours a day. You right? tell me. You tell me the average <laughs> McDonald's worker is is spending eleven There's hours. There's radio a day. on in the background. No, work, you cannot. You, you count cannot that, count Muzak. Well, that's the only way that I can see this working. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, the garbage guys out there, they're not listening to music while they're going because right. I've talked to them. They're they're not. They don't have the radio on because I tried to get them to listen to our podcast, and they're like, <laughs> eh, we can't listen to anything. We're in and out of the truck all the time. Nah, I can't do that. So I mean, there's a lot of people out there that actually have jobs that actually do the jobs and aren't sitting there like on the crapper watching YouTube all day. So yeah. I I don't know what this average is. They must have found a town somewhere that had like people <laughs> with like amazing insomnia and just couldn't go to work and had the TV on all day. That's the only way that this this math makes sense. Actually, I think I figured out who they were did the whole study on. It's one person and it's the president. Oh, yeah. He's just oh sitting God. there watching Fox News all day. That's why every that's yeah, that's why Fox News has gone through the roof. All right. Well, solve that problem. Yep. Uh, let's see. This is this study kind of bummed me out, but this should probably fall in the no shit Sherlock category. Researchers are beginning to suspect that digital media may be spurring a rise in ADHD. We now have a diagnostic rate of almost one in every 10 children, according to reports conducted by the CDC, uh, that uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is one of the most common medical disorders in the United States. Now, Uh, a lot of people have been studying it. It's been not known what's been causing it for certain. And a new study is definitely hinting that digital media is the culprit, which makes a lot of sense. Now, people who want to poo-poo this say, well, we've already done studies in the past on TV viewing and all that sort of thing, and it didn't cause it. The difference is that digital media is a completely different beast mm-hmm. you can switch videos every two seconds uh, we had an entire platform that was dedicated to 30 second videos that in and of itself seven is the very definition videos. seven second videos yeah. that is the definition of adhd yeah <laughs> so yeah i you know obviously i have a kid now so this kind of stuff is really important to me so i'm keeping an eye on on these kind of studies all right all right well uh do you, you haven't gotten a sonos yet have you no, I, I, I just I don't need one right now. When I eventually get a bigger place and a bigger house and all that sort of stuff, I'll invest. But right now, my echoes kind of do the job. Yeah, the the old echoes are pretty good. I, but I also like I didn't have one for a while. But I, when I moved back into this place, I, my old Sonos system was waiting for me. And mm-hmm. I have a five system Sonos one throughout the house. It's fantastic. Yep. And so I was I was really interested when I heard that, oh, Sonos is going to have an IPO this week. 
And I'm thinking, mm, should I or shouldn't I? Should I or shouldn't I? <laughs> because, you know, IPOs recently have not had the best track record, but turns out I should have. Anyway, okay. Uh, as part of their IPO, Sonos was asked to redesign the NASDAQ opening bell sound. Mm-hmm. Have you listened to it? I have. I think that it sounds like a three, it's like 3 a.m. in a crappy Atlantic City casino. That's what it sounds like to me, even though they've got Tibetan bowls and all this other crap going on. It's like, you know, hipsters made the sound and it sounds like a, it sounds like a slot machine paying off. This is, this is one of the jobs I would have killed to have gotten. I know. Because look, I could have found a sound effect uh, online for free that sounds exactly like that in about two minutes. But they probably spent months and they like they I have to go to Tibet to listen to the sound of the bell. And, you know, they must have spent so much money on this. And it sounds like shit. It does. It it totally just sounds like it's a casino. Okay, thank you. At least I'm not alone on that. I mean, I didn't go to college for audio engineering. I'm not, you know, some kind of like, you know, like hipster woo woo guys. Like I need to know the exact tone. What's the frequency that the bells ring? No, it sounds like somebody dropped a bunch of quarters in a bowl. That's really what it sounds like. But again, I would have loved to have been tasked with this gig. Here, have $100 million and come up with a new sound. Yeah. So I recommend everybody go just go watch the video of them making the sound because at the very end, they are literally just dropping quarters in a bowl and recording it. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is brought to you in part by Warby Parker. Not long ago, my glasses broke, and some of you may remember that I couldn't afford to replace them because they were just so incredibly overpriced. Almost like if somebody actually listened to the show, the next day I got an email that Warby Parker was interested in sponsoring the show. So I tried out their free home try-on program. You order five pair of glasses, and you try them on for five days. No obligation to buy. They ship to you for free, and they include a prepaid return shipping label. Couldn't be easier. So I got my glasses and had a little try-on party with a few of my friends, and we picked out the best pair for me. Then I just sent them a photo of my prescription, picked out my lenses and coatings, and that was it. Glasses start at just $95, including prescription lenses, and lenses include anti-glare and anti-scratch coatings. Do you know how much you have to pay at some other places for that kind of stuff? It's included. And for every pair you buy, a pair is distributed to someone in need. And do you have one of those fancy iPhone 10s? You can grab Warby Parker's app where you can use their brand new feature, Find Your Fit. It uses the iPhone 10's True Depth camera to map and measure key facial features. Using those measurements, Find Your Fit recommends approximately 12 Warby Parker frames that are likely the best fit for your face. The process is pretty seamless, and it takes only a few seconds. So head to warbyparker.com slash GOG to order your free home try-ons today. That's W-A-R-B-Y Parker dot com slash GOG to get started. Ups and doodads. Brian, you know it's been a little warm here in Southern California, don't you? Oh, it's, it's been more than a little warm. Yeah, I mean, you're at the beach, so you got, you know, Still the, pretty the breeze. Warm. Yeah. <laughs> Here it's been, it got up to 107 in my office this week in the studio. So I haven't been able to use my stand-up desk very much. So I've been in the house and I had a really crappy chair in the house that finally died. Because out in the office, I've got my uplift desk, which I love. Mm-hmm. I've got my lifespan standing treadmill, you know, thing going on here. Which right. I, I, which I actually had to, inst- like, I, it was in storage, and I pulled it out because it's too hot to walk outside. Chicago's <laughs> too cold to walk outside, and too rainy and crappy. Here, you can't go outside because you will melt. So I'm glad I have this thing, so I've been able to walk again. So my chair died, and I had to go buy a new chair. Now we've talked on the show about the Herman Miller Mira Two before. Yes, I had mm-hmm. one when I moved. I had to sell it to pay for the move. <laughs> so, but I unfortunately can't afford something that nice anymore. So. 
I went through Amazon, of course, right. and started searching for chairs. I'm like, oh, I need something with a high back and maybe a little lumbar support, whatever. And then I got into gaming chairs. Have you looked at some of these like silly ass gaming chairs? Yeah, they're ridiculous. So I got one that is so ridiculous <laughs> that I don't know if this is going to work or not. It was 189 bucks. It's the Thickmax ergonomic high back large size office desk chair swivel back PC gaming chair with lumbar <laughs> massage support and retractable footrest. That's right. It's got a footrest. You can lay this of thing course. all the way out and, and just lay back in game. I'm like, the only thing that I was looking for, I'm like, what's the max weight on this thing? Because most people, oh, there it is, 300 pounds. So I've got, so I got a ways to go before, before I blow it out. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to be reviewing this soon, but I just thought I would, I would share my, my thick max ergonomic right. high back large chair with you because it looks so damn silly. And in other news, I got a Samsung 4K monitor that's coming today. Because I've said I'm moving over to the PC and I've got a bunch of LG monitors that are like, you know, standard res. And when I go into the house, I'm working on a 5K monitor and then I come out here and I'm like, oh, my God, I can see pixels. I see pixel people. (laughs) So I got I got this new monitor. It's coming today and I'll review it next week. But I was amazed at how cheap these things are getting now. I know I might have to update uh, my monitor situation. Yeah. Yeah. I got a 28 inch for 250. Which is that's nothing. Yeah, basically, well, it's it's something. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's it's most of my car payment, but it's uh, it's better than these LG monitors that I have. That because the problem with these is I don't know if it was the move or whatnot, but it, it, they don't get very bright, and right. I need it to be bright and sharp because then because if it's not bright or like if you can't if you're looking at this thing all day and you're like getting eye fatigue from it, you're tiring yourself out. So mm-hmm. it's it's a decent investment to pay for a decent monitor. So. I, I, I pulled the trigger on that, so I'll let you know next week how they are and if you should pick one up. I wanted to get one of those really cool, big, curved ones like you see on all the hacker movies and shit like that, but those <laughs> yeah. were ridiculous. Those were like 700 bucks. I'm like, ain't, ain't nobody got cash for that. So No. I did sign up for M1 Finance, by the way. Oh, good. Three days in, I'm up $1.40. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right. All right, see, all right, all right. Record that uh, Mira chair in no time. No time. Only 17 years. <laughs> <laughs> and this last one comes from uh, TechCrunch. I found Naked Labs raises fourteen million dollars. Fourteen million, <sighs> yep, uh, for a three D body scanning mirror. Now, mm-hmm. I I put this in here because a while back I used to run uh, a little segment on the show called InstaScam. Yeah, and on InstaScam there was like a seven hundred dollar. Uh, scale with a little arm that came out and it would swivel around oh, you and make a I remember 3D that scan of you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So for only twice as much, <laughs> only twice as much, you basically get what is, looks like a Roomba that you stand mm-hmm. on and it spins you in a circle in front of a mirror. And I don't know why it has to be a mirror because most of the time, if you're looking forward, you're not looking at the mirror. <laughs> I, I don't think these people know how that works. Because <laughs> you're, you're, it, it spins you around and you're not really looking at the mirror. So why did they have to put it into a mirror? But mm-hmm. anyway, so this is the thing about this is I, I saw this article come through. I'm like, ah, it's stupid. I'm not going to put it in the show, even though it always makes me happy to see people spending too much money on stupid shit. I went and I watched the video for this mm-hmm. at uh, nakedlabs.com. And yes. well, a nobody was naked. That's fine because it was a dude. I'm, I'm fine with that. But the thing about it is 
the guy that they start off with, they're like, it's this, it's this tale of woe of this guy who's really just trying to make it in the world and make something of himself. He's trying to get fit. And, you know, like he's pushing through. He can't make his high jumps. You know, he's, he's all this stuff. And I did you watch this video, Brian? Yeah, I don't know why you made me, but I This did. guy is like a fitness model to start with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's perfect. Voice. He's, it's like, uh, you know, you would need somebody like me to start off this video. <laughs> and then you end with that guy. That's not that's not how marketing works, guys. You don't yeah. show the buff guy first. You show the fat guy first. Yeah, uh, the guy's in absolute perfect shape when he gets this thing out of the he's box. He's an Adonis when he walks in. He's just like, <laughs> oh, man, I can't make my jumps. I can't lift the weights. Oh, my God. Oh, I've only got, you know, eight muscles on my tummy. What am I going to do? <laughs> it's so fucking ridiculous <laughs> that I just I had to put it in here. So this is all for the video. Everybody has to go watch the video. Okay. I, you don't have to go watch the video. I feel like I need 10 minutes of my life back. <laughs> It was four. It was four minutes. All right. So I found we talk a lot about workflow on on the show and specifically how we deal with our workflow for for making the show even. And uh, you and I both used Instapaper for quite a long time. Long um, ago. There yeah. is a new thing called Mailist, which is Instapaper for email addicts. I kind of like this idea. It's a it's a free extension for Chrome and Firefox that collects your unread bookmarks and emails them back to you once a week. So it's a little bit more efficient than Instapaper. At least it would be for me because uh, that just collects articles and I have to remember to go back to it later and then look at it in the text-only format. But this is just a pops up right in the middle of my workflow. I will just get an email and then all my articles are right there that then I can just pop into our show notes. Okay. I, I can't. There's two reasons I can't abide by this. One, okay. you know the how much... The dude cannot abide. Uh, the dude cannot abide. Uh, you know how much I fucking love Nick Douglas. And so you keep putting articles by Nick Douglas in here. So I just... I, I, I cannot cannot stand that but um i like pinboard pinboard does the same thing and it's in an app and i can read it on my ipad no problem i want less email i do not want more email that's the only right. thing i mean i spent hours last week just trying to get to inbox zero and i did it and then i woke up the next morning and i have another 130 to go through i'm like <laughs> it just doesn't end so more email is not what I'm looking for. I mean, if that's if that's where you do the bulk of your work, oh, good it for works you, for me. Go it for totally it. works for me. Yeah, so that's why we put it in here to let people have their options. They can so. have their options. I recommend Pinboard. That is that is where I go. It costs like 13 bucks a year, so it's cheap. You can mark everything for read later. It's got little bookmarklets, and then it doesn't it doesn't actually gum up your bookmarks in your browser. So because right. I, I never bookmark anything in my browser anymore, I always have a service for that. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you like supporting that little douchebag, Nick Douglas, then Mailist is for you. It's too hard to keep track of all the people you hate, Jason. No, it's not. Everybody. I just hate <laughs> you everybody. You make me a pinboard of the people that you hate. <laughs> Can I get you a Gantt chart? Maybe I'll put it on your action <laughs> yes, items <please>. list. <laughs> Media Candy. We now know what's going to happen with the uh, with whatever Anthony Bourdain was shooting at the time that he unfortunately uh, passed away. So we've got confirmation that there will be a seven episode season that will come fall of this year, and it will include at least five episodes that are in the show's traditional style, as it were. Unfortunately, only one is complete. One was completed before his death. He went to Kenya with uh, Camus Bell, the host of CNN's United Shades of America, and that has the that will be the last episode that we have that includes includes his full written narrative, mm. unfortunately. Okay. So we're going to get four more episodes that were done done 
in terms of they were completely shot. Uh, one in New York City's Lower East Side, Big Bend, Texas, the Asturias region of Spain and Indonesia. And these will be completed by the directors and we use audio that uh, was compiled during filming from Bourdain, but they will have follow up interviews and other things like that of that nature to to kind of fill out the episodes. And then the last two episodes details are still being ironed out. One will be cast and crew reflecting most likely. And the last one will be a tribute, which we kind of already had. Yeah, but, uh, that's we'll just do seems, another one. Yeah, so. it's like, OK, I thought we did that already. But um, yeah, I thought we did that already. But uh, we'll see what happens. So at least we're getting something. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. Um, I, I read uh, Media Redef every day. It's a, one of the email newsletters I get that <laughs> gums up my goddamn inbox. But um, <laughs> the guy over there did a really nice segment. Where they took all of the articles that they've written over there about Bourdain and other articles. And it's called Remembering Anthony Bourdain, the Chef of Curiosity. So there's a link in that. And it's a, it's a bunch of really good articles if you want to go back and buy a couple boxes of t- tissues and um, right. you really ruin your day. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's about it. If, you, if, you, if you're looking for some sadness, go check out Remembering Anthony Bourdain. There you go. Now, I probably should have spent more time of my small amounts of free time this last week reading, but I didn't because I've been brain dead. So I've watched stupid movies, uh, a couple of them <laughs> anyways. Uh, I watched The Cloverfield Paradox. I don't know why. Yeah. Actually, I will say I thought the movie itself was pretty good. If it was what? just the first, say, hour and... 20 minutes of it that was basically just a we're on a spaceship and we're having a disaster movie and it was well acted and quite funny the problem is the last 10 minutes when they tried to shoehorn this into the cloverfield universe which doesn't make any sense to me anymore no yeah it was no, this was a bad movie dude this was just the first a- hour and 20 minutes was fine there was no mention of anything about cloverfield related nothing it was just on yeah. a spaceship and shit was going wrong so this movie kind of in the beginning reminded me of event horizon Oh, I vaguely remember that movie. Yeah, it it, it was a it is an okay movie with Sam Neill. I worked on that one, so I kind of kind of remember it. But that's the only one where I actually have I, I have a, a letter that was faxed to me from the director from Paul Anderson that said, "Hey, you guys did a great <laughs> job on the website." The only director out of like a hundred movies I worked on that actually said, <laughs> "Hey, you guys guys did a really good job. Thanks." So I remember that, but it, it it was very reminiscent of Event Horizon with just, you know, spooky shit going on in space. And right. But yeah, yeah. Shoehorning it into the Cloverfield thing. And apparently this had like a ton of reshoots. There was a lot of drama around it because it was supposed to be like a theatrical release and it wasn't. And Netflix came in and bought it. And there's a lot right. of controversy around this movie. And it just turns out that it sucked. Yeah, it was okay. <laughs> Look, it was late at night. I was bored and I had wine. I was going to say, you were probably drunk. Eh, not drunk on an airplane type review, but close. Okay. Close. okay. Uh, something else I started watching this week. Uh, there's a sci-fi show called Dark Matter that Netflix now has. I guess it uh, originally was on some other network or station. There's only three seasons, I believe, and then it did stop. I'm like four episodes in. It's decent. I mean, it's filling the gap until we get more expanse. Okay. Well, when you get to the end of season three, let me know what you think because I'm going to take I'm going to take the Brian paradox here and uh, <laughs> yeah. say we'll you tell me if it it's any right. good because Mister I like yeah. to quit a show after you know two episodes so <laughs> so far so good uh, you know if you're looking for something to do watch at least the pilot why not okay um, one thing that you should never watch no matter what is Rampage with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Done and done and didn't even need you to tell me that. <laughs> I, I too. Was never going to happen anyways. <laughs> I too had some wine the other night. <laughs> and 
<laughs> I just happened to have an illicit copy in HD, and I'm like, ah, what's what's the harm of it? You know, I kind of like the Jumanji movie. That wasn't too, too terrible. Um, and then I'm like, ah, let's give it a shot. Oh, my brain, my brain. I want my brain back. I want my time back. I want my bandwidth back. I want everything <laughs> back. And I want Dwayne the Rock Johnson to suffer for making this You know movie. the one thing that you can't ask for back, though, Jason? What? Your money. Ah, that's true. That's true. You can't ask for your money back because you spent none. <laughs> uh, well, I spent it on bandwidth. That's for damn sure. Anyway. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Rampage. Total piece of monkey poo. Monkey poo, wolf poo, and crocodile poo. All in one. <laughs> So, All in one. Yeah, I did watch a documentary called G Funk, which mm-hmm. was pretty good. It's about it's mostly about Warren G, but it's got uh, you know a lot of that whole crew, Ice T, Snoop, and all that stuff in it. Really good documentary. I highly recommend this one. Cool. I actually have heard about it, so it's good to hear. It's good. I will watch it. Yeah, yeah. No, I really enjoyed this one. We we popped it on the other day, and we're just like, have we seen this one? You know, because there's a lot of hip hop documentaries coming out there, but this is a this is a newer one, and it came out last year, but uh, won a couple of awards too. I highly recommend this one, and because I'm not a hip hop guy, I'm not a rap guy, but I I love the story behind it, so I I recommend G Funk when you see it come out on uh, on the services where you can buy. Cool. And as everybody that listens to the show knows, we are huge fans of Dan Carlin and hardcore history. Uh, somehow, uh, not so much I don't common think sense. We ever talked about it. Well, common sense he just doesn't do anymore because, as he points out, there is no common sense in politics anymore. Uh, July fourteenth is when this dropped. Uh, hardcore history sixty two supernova in the east part one. I'm just getting around to listening to it now, and it is as per usual, uh, absolutely amazing. That's pretty good. It's funny. The story at the beginning, I've heard like on three other podcasts when it first started. So I'm like, am I hearing a rerun? I'm so confused. (laughs) I'm so confused. Like everybody found the same story at the same time because there's so many podcasts now. Everybody's everybody's Googling everything, trying to find something (laughs) to talk about. Right. And uh, I ran across a fun little series that Vanity Fair is doing. I actually ran across this because my wife sent me the first one. Uh, Will Arnett teaches you Canadian slang. Okay. It's very funny. And then I watched a couple more. The other one I can highly recommend is Henry Cavill and Simon Pegg teach you English slang. That one was Vanity Fair has done a whole series of these. (laughs) But those two are my favorites so far. There's quite a few of them. So uh, well done, Vanity Fair. That's some good digital content they put together there. It is. I watched the Henry Cavill and Simon Pegg one, and I loved it. And I didn't know Henry Cavill was actually British. I didn't either. (laughs) no idea. (laughs) I mean, I know he's had digitally removed mustaches, but I had no idea he was British. I mean, I loved his Superman movie. I thought his Superman movie should have gone to like, you know, 10 episodes, but uh, uh, I just had no idea he was British and British are taking all of our acting jobs. But uh, and even Simon Pegg in Ready Player One had an American accent. What the fuck was up with that? Well, that's what they do. Yeah, I know. You can only have an English accent if you're in a period piece drama or you're an evil guy on a spaceship. Yeah. That's 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 kind of it. Or in Rome. Or in Rome. Or that. So uh, this one's for you. Han Solo's coat mm. is going up for auction, which means we need a lot more Patreon subscribers. Uh, we need some Patreon <laughs> subscribers because that uh, that is a uh, that is one point three million dollars. One point three million dollars <laughs> is what it's expected to get. Indiana Jones's original fedora about three hundred ninety seven thousand dollars. I, yeah. I either one of those I would take and put on my shelf. Um, the original Jumanji game board is only thirteen thousand, which is probably twelve thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars too much. Um, 
<laughs> and Edward Scissorhands costume, about $100,000. And Marty McFly's hoverboard, 66000 That's what That's what they're expecting to get. You know the big surprise about the Edward Scissorhands costume? What? It's entirely filled with scarves. <laughs> I just read a really good article on Rolling Stone about Johnny Depp. That guy's a loon. That guy's a He's total loon. He's crazy. Yep. And broke. Well, it's all those scarves he keeps buying. Security? Ha! We're back this week with Dave Bittner from the CyberWire podcast. The CyberWire is a free, community-driven cybersecurity news service based in Maryland. I'm sorry, Dave. Dave is also the co-host of the what? new Hacking Humans what? podcast, <laughs> along with Joe Kerrigan, where they what? take on social engineering. Well, I've been to Maryland. I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. Maryland is a lovely state. Maryland is America in miniature. We have the bay. We have <laughs> little bumps that we call mountains. We you have, have even tinier Donald Trump hands. <laughs> yeah. I can't yeah, back off, man. <laughs> okay, Dave. I have a, that brown desert that you call home out there. We have water. four, four so, real seasons, so... Someone send us water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, how's the temperature been out there lately? We've had a lot of rain. How about you? <laughs> I'm jealous. Oh, All right. Look, I, I know it sucks here, but Maryland is just boring. But no, anyway, with your seasons I and dis- things like... Seasons I, and water and food and not, yeah. not being on fire every three minutes. Anywho, Brian, oh, how's it going this week? Pretty good, pretty good. Huh? Yeah. Let's jump right in here. Yeah, we got some good uh, stories this week from the CyberWire. Um, one that's certainly getting a lot of press is that uh, the good folks at Reddit got hacked. What? Did you guys hear about this one? A yeah. little bit, a little bit, but give us yeah. the skinny. Give us well, the skinny on the Reddit. Reddit said uh, earlier this week that a hacker had broken into the company's systems back in June, and they'd gotten access to a variety of things. One of the things was a backup of all Reddit data from 2007 and before. Mm-hmm. Everything. That's a big <laughs> bunch of data. I guess. I don't. When did Reddit begin? Was it 05? I don't. I don't have a good beat I, on that. When well, they yeah, started. Dig was Dig was around. Dig had started, so that was like you know, yeah, 2003, 2004. So they came off like right after that. So, yeah, this is a long time of, I mean, that's a lot of data. Seriously. It is. And they also accessed um, a bunch of code and sort of behind the scenes sorts of things. So Mm -hmm. um, they're saying that uh, things like email addresses, usernames and passwords may have been exposed. They were uh, salted and hashed, but they were salted and hashed back in 2007. So, Ooh, uh, <laughs> MD5. <laughs> right, yep. right. So they use, I like the sentence, since the salting and hashing is going back to 2006 or 2007, it's likely suboptimal. That's, uh, that's, <laughs> that's one Ken way to White, describe it. He's the director of the Open Crypto Audit Project. So he goes on to say everyone should probably change their passwords. Mm-hmm. So if uh. you are on Reddit and you're, well, no matter what, if you're on Reddit, go ahead and change your password. And specifically, if you are using a password that you have used on Reddit somewhere else, first of all, you shouldn't do that. Second and of all. And you shouldn't be listening to this show anymore <laughs> because right. you're fired. <laughs> right. You should be. Shame on fired you. From shame listening. on you. Um, but uh, yeah, go ahead and change those passwords. So. The other big story this week that's kind of exciting is the feds arrested three bad guys who were involved in a global cybercrime ring. They were members of a group called Fin7. Were these, were these were, bad hombres? 
They were. They were. They were um, uh, bad comrades, actually. Uh, oh wait, they were Russian. <laughs> Imagine that. Hang on, uh, Russian hackers are getting into U.S. systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, news to me. Ukrainian, to be specific. <laughs> and surprise, surprise, they got arrested when they left the country. So they were traveling outside of their home country, probably going on vacation or whatever. This seems to be how we nab these folks. They mm-hmm. get yeah. cocky. We talked about the, this. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. If you're a hacker, you, you got to stay home, dude. Yeah, my real, right, take, my real takeaway from this is you don't get to take a vacation if you're a hacker. Right. They take some of the spoils of of their uh, their crimes, and they they decide they want to go somewhere nice on vacation, and they cross the border and get nabbed, and right. that's what happened this time. But these folks had stolen about 15 million credit card numbers and put them up for sale on dark web markets. Mm-hmm. So uh, the DOJ is is crowing about this. It's, it was an international effort, also combined with uh, help from some of the companies that had been hacked, companies like Chipotle, Arby's, uh, Jason's Deli, places like that. So this is tied to a lot of the, the headliner hacks we'd heard about over the past year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so the DOJ is saying, hey, we're really happy about this. By no means do we think this is going to put an end to this, not even to this group. But uh, it's a good start. It, it will make a difference. And uh, so hats off to them. Well, how well do you done. eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So you got got a couple bites here. So yeah. that's good. <laughs> there you go. And and you still shouldn't eat at Chipotle. So that's that's the real <laughs> lesson here. Where if you do eat, pay cash. <laughs> I would just go with the paying cash. I don't think Chipotle is that bad. Right. Well, there are only four stories in the news this week about salmonella and E. coli. So hey, you want to lose weight? That's a good plan. That is. That is. Oh, <laughs> right. It's not me. It's the tapeworm. Exactly. exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I exactly. named him George. I will pet him and love him and poop him. Yep. Yep. So uh, this week we learned about a new program. Well, not a new program. We, we learned about it for the first time called the Quiet Skies program that the TSA is involved in. Now, <sighs> that's a placid name, isn't it, though? So, so this is the this is the program to not let children on planes. I'm, I'm guessing. just thinking the same thing, right? <laughs> right. Or they, I it's feel a cone of very silence. bad yeah, for everybody that for I was babies. on my last flight. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize in advance. I'm sorry. I did not register for the Quiet Skies program. Well, I did, but my son did not agree. Right. Unfortunately, no, that is not what it is. It is uh, basically American citizens are being trailed and closely monitored by undercover air marshals as they travel on U.S. flights. Fair enough, except for the fact that we cannot figure out why these people are being trailed or watched and observed. Uh, mm. There is no warrant. There is they're not part of any restricted thing. They are not on any government list or program or something that we need to be worried about it is the TSA's complete internal determination that we should watch these people. Um, now, you're in public. You're on an airplane. You do not have any reasonable expectation of privacy under the Constitution. So the government and police are allowed to see you and observe you. So to be fair, I suppose there's nothing illegal with what's happening. It just doesn't kind of feel very good, does it? Do most of the people that they've been following have really good yoga pants? <laughs> well, I, I always observe those ladies. <laughs> I was just going to say, is this a, is this the TSA booty program is all I'm asking? Um, yeah, it doesn't uh, do seem they... to be. I mean, I guess if the if the air marshals have to be on the plane, they might as well make it fun for themselves by <laughs> pretending like they're actually following someone. I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. It, um, this is odd to me. 
It does feel odd. Again, there's nothing specifically illegal, but the fact that this exists and it's kind of codified tells me it's more than just an air marshal staving off some boredom because he doesn't want to watch a Rampage for the 15th time. Or the the second time. (laughs) Or the second time, as per Jason's review earlier. Um, Yeah, I don't quite get it. Uh, You know, this is one of those things where I think there should hopefully be some governmental oversight, like some, some behind closed doors meetings saying, well, who are these people? Why are you doing this? And, uh, right. you know, why aren't why aren't these people on some other sort of watch list if they're of in, of importance to you somehow? So I'm hoping we're going to hear more about this. But right now, who the hell knows? Yeah. What are the what, what's the data that you're using to put someone on the follow around list? Yeah, I they're, would like to know. Their Netflix viewing history, maybe? Who right. knows? <laughs> right, right. This person saw Rampage three times. <laughs> yeah, right. He did not like The Last Jedi. Follow him. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. How an American can you get? <laughs> yeah. And uh, the other big news, which Jason and I talked about a little bit earlier, but I would love to get uh, your take on this. Facebook has discovered a coordinated campaign of misinformation accounts ahead of the U.S. midterms election and leapt into action to stop a grand total of 32 pages. (laughs) 32. 32. 32 Twitter shuts down hundreds of thousands of accounts in one go and Facebook shuts down 32 pages and accounts. Well, yeah. I mean, doesn't this just speak to all the things we've been complaining about Facebook over the past few months? They're just they're they're months, (laughs) months. Are you talking months? (laughs) Perhaps I undersold it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, they're 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 just not getting it. Just not continuing to not get it. And I I read an article er earlier this week that I. um, I shared on social media. I don't remember the title of it now, but it was basically pointing out that. Facebook doesn't get it. Facebook hasn't gotten it since the beginning. You know, and I, I that... think it might be one that I put in earlier in the show notes, which is the New York Times, the expensive education of Mark Zuckerberg in Silicon Valley, because one of the things I didn't mention about that article earlier was this guy has known Mark Zuckerberg since Facebook started, has interviewed him multiple times and basically came away from the most re- recent interview with him saying he doesn't really seem to think that they've done anything wrong. Well, we know yeah, he's I... a sociopath, so that's OK. <laughs> we get that part. Well, I think uh, the article that I read, and I'm not sure it was that one. It may have been, but I'm not. I'm. I'm just. I'm just not remembering right now. But um, it was making the point that Facebook looks at people as data, and not individuals. And right. so, when you look at people as data, if you're doing, you, you don't, you don't uh, empathize with the fact of what you may or may not be doing to them. You're just yeah, running the numbers and you don't approach it ethically. You just approach it as numbers. Right. And it also gives you the ability to put them at arm's length to say, well, we're just the platform. What people do with it. <laughs> well, uh, look at the foundation you know. of Facebook from the beginning. They were looking at women as numbers. How were they rating how right. hot these chicks were? So this goes back to the core. Right. Are you hot or not? Exactly. It's a foundational principle. Exactly. So this is mm-hmm. it, it doesn't come back to don't be evil. It's just how hot are you? You know, that's what it comes down to. I really wish that we would have named the show from the beginning. We're just a platform because that is what we seem to just keep coming back to in the news, in the rants, in the security. (laughs) So how how does this play out? How do we have do we have to end up with some sort of legislative uh, thing with this where if I, I. 
you know, how yeah, do we stop? Yeah, I think I, this we is do. Clear, to me, I, I don't mean to be uh, to, uh, to to cry wolf or anything, but it seems like this is a clear and present danger to our democracy. This sort of these shenanigans, as as we see them play out, these influence operations using the amplification capabilities of platforms like Facebook and Twitter, uh, they are a th- a threat to national security. I would posit. Do you gentlemen yes. agree? Yes, I agree. The problem that we have here is that you and I and Jason and everybody listening to this and most people under the age of, say, 50 or even 60 understand that. But the people that are making the laws quite clearly from when they had Zuckerberg in front of them and was questioning them have no understanding of how any of this stuff works. Um, I do think that we need government regulation and influence on these social networks now i I, the other article that we were discussing about facebook earlier in the show asks who moderates the moderators we we can't have them take care of themselves because they're so obviously not doing it and they also have no reason to because they're not beholden to being ethical they're beholden to their shareholders right Right. It's against their business model to to block. Content. Yeah, it's not a bug. It's a feature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, that's mm-hmm. a, that's why we need Dunbar's law. Dunbar's law comes in and says you cannot have a social network that, that you can connect to more than 150 people on. I know it might sound like Stalinist Russia, but I think it might be better for society. A little bit. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Choose bit. wisely. Well, no, I mean, I think that we can solve a lot of this by getting back to the same thing that we kind of need with our political system anyways, which is campaign finance reform. How about mm-hmm. we just Facebook doesn't take any, any advertising for something that isn't a commercial product. Hmm. It's an there. interesting idea. Done. No political ads. Yeah. No, no political ads, no ads whatsoever from any sort of NGO entities. Now, I know that gets rid of, you know, you have to draw a really wide swath. Otherwise, you get mired in in craziness. So, yeah, good stuff can't get advertised either. But, oh, well, let's just cut it. Let's cut it all. If it's political, it's out. (laughs) No. And because they're, well... But just no, I know exploring this, but because they're a private company, they don't have to worry no. about any free speech types of things or anything like that. No, they can just say we just well, we don't we don't take that money from anybody. Yep. Yeah. The other thing I'm reminded of, I know we brought this up a, a few times, is uh, that tip I got from someone about getting rid of the Nazis on Twitter, which is if you tell Twitter that you're in Germany, the Nazis suddenly disappear yeah. <laughs> from your Twitter feed. Yes, it can be done. That that is exactly my point. They the, they have the capability to do it, but and, they choose not here, to. And yet here we are. <laughs> and yet here we are. Yes, <laughs> all of this can be fixed. There there's no doubt about that. Like all of it. It's just why would they? They'd lose money, and it would require a heavy investment in changing their infrastructure and reprogramming and rejiggering things. Well, Brian, since you are now a shareholder yeah. in Facebook, maybe you need to go to the meetings and and voice your opinion. <laughs> uh, I, I believe I'm voicing it now. Listen up, people. <laughs> I, I am on a weekly podcast for, talking about this. Yeah, look for the press release tomorrow. Zuckerberg <laughs> changes course. Listen to podcasts. <laughs> Was convinced. Changed mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we can dream we can fantasize hey, we can say you know we're, we're, we're creating our anti-facebook army that's as right. i stay on facebook and then invested in it because it lost 20 percent of its market value and i know it's going to come back i see <laughs> i see so so <laughs> so so your ethics brian uh, <laughs> i never said i invested ethically i said i'm trying to live ethically but i'm also trying to retire and get my kid through college i see all right well i i suppose i can't begrudge you that uh <laughs>
Yeah, right. I have some issues with it. It, it. it keeps me awake for about a couple minutes at night, and then I sleep mm-hmm. like and a baby. And then the sleeping pills yeah. kick in. <laughs> so you're yeah, sleeping the wine anyway, and the sleeping pills right, kick from in. From having a I'm toddler, okay. you never who you never sleep. So <laughs> yeah, I got gotcha. you. All right. Oh, all right. That's good. good okay. Right. Yeah, moving on from my non-ethical and uh, stuff that I'm doing. Yep. <laughs> so I listened to the new CyberWire special edition on data-centric security. Yes, and. Yeah, this made my head hurt. Homomorphic encryption has always been a mind bender to me. And I, I thought you guys did a really good job this week of kind of explaining how it kind of works, but my head still hurts. <laughs> I know. It I still know. hurts. I, I am I am with you one hundred percent. And I, you know, I fall into that category of relying on people who are much smarter than me to explain these things, and yet I still walk away feeling like I have a uh, an intellectual understanding, but I don't quite feel it, if that makes any right. sense. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I, and and I think it also falls into that category that uh, Arthur C. Clarke said, that any significant <laughs> level of technology is indistinguishable from magic. Yeah, I, th- I think any significant level of technology makes you feel like a fucking moron is a better quote. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with that one, but. <laughs> yeah, your words, yeah. not mine, but all right, we can go there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it. Uh, yes, this whole notion that you can perform calculations on encrypted data and end up with an encrypted answer so you don't you know neither the contents of the original data nor the contents of <laughs> yeah. the answer but you can but you can still do stuff with it that just sounds like um, drinking too much tequila you just have to <laughs> it's really or getting way too stoned or doing acid it's just like <laughs> i know i know something yeah. but i don't know what i don't know <laughs> or listening to too much, uh, was it? Right. I, they're, they're they're known unknowns. They're known knowns. They're unknown unknowns. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Oh God. Yep. Yes. Well, and when you ask people to explain this, like we did, uh, we talked to uh, Ellison Ann Williams, who's uh, the the uh, the CEO of Invale, who's the company who's kind of leading the charge on this. She's a former NSA person, sort of spun this out of some of those intelligence agencies, and she does a great job explaining it, but. You still, I, I still, I'm just left thinking, okay, well, and the bottom line from her is, yeah. <laughs> it's math, trust us. Oh, uh, well. And okay, all right, well, I can't, I don't know enough math to argue with that, so, all right, they they have proofs that they say it all works and it makes sense. And the other key to this is that we've we've reached the era where the computers are fast enough to handle this stuff. It's really computationally exp- um, uh, expensive, so... Um, you weren't able to do this in any sort of practical way. And that's the other development that they're making is that you can actually use this stuff for real world uh, uses. So it's pretty cool stuff. So, yeah, thanks for checking out the uh, special edition. That was uh, that was a fun one to do. Uh, it's always fun when I get to talk to smart people and learn something from them, even when I so like this one. Sometimes I walk away scratching my head still a bit. <laughs> And I've got to say, I've been listening to the Hacking Humans podcast that mm. you do, and I've been enjoying that very much. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we've been having a good time with that one, Joe and I. Uh, it's it's a fun show. We do a, a lot of laughing, and uh, we've got some good guests so far. So, yeah, check it out. It's uh, Hacking Humans. Uh, it's uh, short. It's only a half hour long. And uh, talk about it's possible to do podcasts that are only a half an hour long. (laughs) Well, yeah, the the editor (laughs) usually gets about an hour's worth of content every week that he has to cut down to a half an hour. hour. Oh, that's what we're missing. (laughs) Yes, yes. Yes. Editing, editing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But uh, no, it's fun. A lot of stuff about social engineering. So uh, if that's something that interests you, we hope you'll check it out. Excellent. 
All right, gentlemen. Well, that's what I have for us this week. Uh, I will not be around next time because I am heading out to Black Hat. Yep, heading out to Vegas. It's going to be 110 degrees. It's a dry heat. <laughs> just just bring some of your Maryland water. You'll be fine. That's right. I'll bring some beautiful Chesapeake Bay water. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Good talking to you. Talk soon. All right. Moron of the week. I just have some sad news this week. There, there, there's no specific morons unless the morons are just all of us collectively. Okay. <sighs> Fat tourists are crippling donkeys that carry them on holiday in Greece. Okay. <laughs> so Greece is responding by breeding a new stronger donkey to cope with the fact that overweight British tourists want to ride them. Now, I'm sorry here, but you buried the lead on the Fat tourists are crippling donkeys that carry them on holiday in Greece. This comes from metro.co.uk. Now, if if you would have said Grecians are breeding super donkeys, <laughs> I would have totally clicked on that. You are missing the boat. You know, I blame the uh, the uh, headline editor for the Metro in the UK because they they missed out on a gold mine for a headline there. <laughs> oh, they totally missed it. Come on, super donkeys. <laughs> okay, now I. But for my second story, I have a good headline for you. Okay, Senate, the Center for Disease Control reminds people not to wash or reuse their condoms. We're done. We're done as we're done as a species. We're done. I see this as as Darwinism in action. Culling the herd. Except, wait, hold on though. Actually, no. The problem is it works in the reverse, right? Because they're going to create more kids because they're dumb. Right. Yeah. This goes back to idiocracy. <sighs> this is just back right, to idiocracy. Right. And I was listening to Doctor Drew like like two weeks ago, and he was talking. He he like was a, hanging around a bunch of millennials, and he's like, "So, how many of you use condoms when you have sex?" And the the, the response rate was. I shit you not, zero. Zero. Oh God, what's wrong with people? And, you know, I mean, I guess Apple just needs to make the eye rubber for people to use it anymore because that's it. It's just like, I, wait, I, what? No, kid, you know, kid, kids aren't using Apple products. They need, it needs to be Snapchat. It needs to be the, the snap rubber. God, it's pretty tight. <laughs> oh, put a sticker on it. That's their slogan. That's the that's the Snapchat <laughs> condom. That's a Snapchat's got put a sticker on it. <laughs> Feedback loop. We got a bunch of new Patreon subscribers this week. Cody, Gordy, and Daniel. Thank you very much. And we also have a message from Jim. Hey guys, woke up to this shit this week. Yay! After Bird Electric Scooters land, Cincinnati officials left scratching their heads. So Cincinnati yep. now has bird poop. Yes, they do. And William also writes in, Bird boot. Well, the damn birds have invaded Portland. And surprise, <laughs> surprise, every single bird law the city passed was violated within five minutes by nearly 90% of the riders. No helmets. Riding them in the park. Riding them on the sidewalk. I almost got hit four times in two blocks. I hate these things, but I have an idea. For a buck fifty from Home Depot, you can clip their wings without actually destroying property. Just hook up one of these on the back wheel of everyone you find in the wild. Make sure to really strip those threads. Take care and keep up the awesome work. Love the show. Again, we cannot endorse destroying property. Well, that's the nice hey. thing about this is you're not actually destroying property. It's basically a U-loop with some screws on it, and yeah. uh, you can just put it on like a boot. That's true. There you go. Yep. And Kevin, Kevin writes, from the UK, never seen a bird scooter. Hmm. Okay. Oh, yes. And he donated to us on PayPal. So thank you so much. Thank you very much. 
Over on Twitter, the Droidian writes, Cincinnati has been infected. And he sent a photo. Uh, he also sent in something else that I just saw a few minutes ago. You want to sell, create a million dollar idea together? When making a FaceTime call, the coolest thing that could happen when someone doesn't answer is their video voicemail plays their video message and I get to leave a video mail. It's 2018. I'm just saying. Wow, that sounds like the 70s. <laughs> it's like you get those video phones and you can leave a video mail. Yeah. Yes. All right. Clinty writes in. I disagree with Luke Cage. I absolutely enjoyed the first season. It's kind of coded and cultured. The second season is more about how you see the villains. I enjoy the show, but you guys need some soul or at least someone who can break it down for you. As you've stated, the actors are B-level or worse. Guess you didn't notice it's an all-black cast and a perception of the comments could be established? There's things that can be pointed out which might make it a lot more interesting. Now, at this point, I I actually wrote him back and I said, look, to each their own. Uh, At least we can all agree that it was still better than Iron Fist. Yes, (laughs) which was an all-white cast, all-white and Asian cast. Yes. Yes, he he agreed with that and wrote back and said, yeah, to each their own. But optics are something we should all be aware of. That's all I'm saying. Mm -mm, mm -mm, Now, my point mm -mm, here mm -mm. is... Isn't the optic of me needing to qualify the fact that I don't like a show just because it has a black cast, isn't that an optic we should be worried about? Shouldn't I not have to say, hey, I really liked Black Panther, but I don't like Luke Cage. Why should I have to do that? Yeah. It's just, I don't like the show that much. It has. I love the actor that plays Luke Cage. I love Luke Cage. I love Luke Cage the best in all the other shows that he's in. Yeah. I just don't like the Luke Cage show. Exactly. That's all. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't even realize it was an all black cast. I'm like, I, I, I could be Stephen Colbert. I don't see color because I don't. I didn't give a shit about that. Everybody's black. I just don't like the writing on the show. I don't like the effects on the show. That's it. I, I never yeah. said anything. I mean, some of the cast, yeah, a little B grade. But for the most part, it's a really good cast. They just have shitty dialogue. No story. <laughs> I don't care. If, I yeah. don't care what color the fucking cast is. None whatsoever. Alfre Woodard was one of my favorite characters ever in a Star Trek movie. And she was in Face Off. I worked on Face Off. She's fantastic. And I, <laughs> See, and I worked on doing, First Contact. Now yeah. I feel like we're doing weird optics where we're having to like justify not justify the, the show. show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Clincy. No, yeah. forget it. No, I, I get it. I totally get it. But it is a different strokes thing. And everybody hits people. It hits people in different ways. I can get why people like Luke Cage. I personally just didn't. And there are lots of shows I like that Jason thinks I'm an idiot for liking. That's the way it works. And you just compared you just compared this to different strokes. So there you go. I, that was 100 percent unintentional. <laughs> what you talk about? fool? Wait, was that? A no, what you talking about? Willis? Shit. I pity. Willis. I, it's I pity the fool. And what you talking about? Willis? <laughs> Wow. Wow. The brain works in mysterious ways. Yes, it does. So Discord writes in, you asked for feedback on splitting up the show into two different shows. In the words of every grumpy old man, I prefer it the way it is. Stop scaring me with change. And that's (laughs) that is a minority opinion at this point. It is. And uh, honestly, I don't think we're going to have much of a choice as as these shows continue to be marathons. Yeah, (laughs) we're going to have to split them up. (laughs) We're going to have to because just editing them for like eight hours on a Sunday. It's just not not good. And my birthday is this Sunday, so you might get the show on Thursday. Who knows? (laughs) Oh, who knows? It could be fun. Let me know if you end up doing anything. (laughs) Okay. Over on uh, GOG.show, Ivor wrote in, when I saw this, all I could think of was Jason doing jazz hands and squealing like a little girl. Get your own HAL 9000 (laughs) replica with Bluetooth and voice command. (laughs) Okay, I'm not, I hate that movie. So, 
Yeah. There's, there's, therein lies the problem. See, you're, you are so wrong. It is an amazing movie. Oh God, I, I forgot to check the cast and and the optics on it. Um, <laughs> I, I fucking hate 2001: A Space Odyssey. I've never liked it's it. So never good. will like it. I don't care who directed it. What kind of hipster piece of shit it is, or how heady it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I found it fucking boring. So I, I will not get this now. I still may get the uh, the Star Trek OG communicator Bluetooth handset because I, I am a nerd and, you know, I, I am outside of the dating pool now. So I don't care if any chick sees me with it. And I just don't care. <laughs> so Johannes writes in, hey, guys, great pointer to M1 Finance. This really looks good. However, you guys always point out businesses with no business model. What is the business model of M1 Finance? I just don't get it. They don't ask for fees. They don't have a markup. They do fractional shares. Everything is frictionless. How do they make money? I just couldn't find anything on their website about it. I'd appreciate it a lot if you could talk about that some more. Cheers, Johannes. Brian. How sure. do they make money? No problem. I can tell you exactly how they make money. They, you have to look at their financial, the, the investment services as the album and everything else that they do is the tour. <laughs> they're giving the album away for free. So they're letting you come in and make investments and all that. And they're upselling you on other financial services. They do loans. They do mortgages. They're doing all that sort of stuff. So the idea is you get hooked into their infrastructure and they just kind of constantly remind you of all the other things that they do that they do charge you for. Uh, it's very similar to uh, another site that I've talked about in the past personal capital that I use, which is basically a free version of Quicken where you can bring in all your stuff and see all your finances. And they basically just constantly bombard you with, would you like investment advice would you like to do this do you need a new car loan blah, 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 it's the go daddy of finance is what you're saying yeah 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 so <laughs> uh, you know what they're offering you is is free like uh, much like a robin hood and then they hope to upsell you on different services so that is their business and they also hold the the extra you know fractions of the share so if if something goes up they still make money on that as well if it goes down they still lose money but i'm guessing they're playing the odds on it I'd imagine so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, next up is Mark. Hey guys, enjoying the podcast as always. My question: I'm a firm believer believer in offsite backups to protect over 20 years of digital family photos and other media. I have local backups as well, but that doesn't help much in the case of theft, fire, etc. Uh, After two years, I discovered peer to peer. Okay, so he gets into. Uh, about a hundred different methods that he's used to do backups. And he's basically asking what we suggest. And Jason, you have done this a gazillion times. So what's your solution? My solution is I have four eight terabyte hard drives that I cycle through. I use, I use carbon copy cloner to cycle through and keep everything up to date. And every two months, I will take one of them and ship them to a family member out of state. So they keep it off site and then they ship me back the old one. So it's basically a rotation circle. I've used Backblaze. I've used CrashPlan, but I've got so much data that the one terabyte a month cap on, you know, data on my internet plan basically screws it. I can't do that because my photos alone are four terabytes. So it doesn't really work for me to use these cloud backup solutions. I did Backblaze for, for different things. The only problem I had with Backblaze is you can't restore an entire computer from it like you can from, say, a time machine backup. Also, when my drives aren't actually being backed up, they're in a fireproof safe in a different part of the house. So you, you have to kind of work through that. The other option is you get a safety deposit box in your neighborhood and you can take your drive to that. So you have like a rotating drive set up where you keep something offsite. You always want to have offsite. One is none, two is one, and three is at least passable, you know, but you have to have something offsite. <laughs> 
Jason writes in, well, Denver has dropped regulations on the Lime Company. E-scooters, bikes should be back in Denver by Friday. I'm sorry, Denver. Also, I hope one day I can throw some money your guys' way. We do, too. We really actually do. Because Brian needs to buy Han Solo's jacket. I really enjoy the show yes. every week, always spreading the word to others about your show, making them listen to it as I'm driving them to their destination. Well, you must be an Uber driver. Wow. Didn't we? Didn't you do a call to action for an Uber driver earlier? I did. I, think I we've did. got one, Jason. Uh, and just a quick note on that. They're not completely dropping regulations on the Lime Company. They're doing what a lot of cities are doing, which is they're starting up. Um, they're allowing and authorizing companies to operate cap levels of scooters, maximum numbers of bikes, things of that nature. Uh, and they're going to do studies on it and they're going to see how it goes. So it's all these. Uh, nobody's said no straight out uh, to to these things. Everybody's just trying to figure out how to make it work in a way that doesn't piss everybody right. off. So a lot of companies are opening up these pilot programs and letting people apply for it. Fair enough. I, that's the way it should happen. I agree. All right. And we have no iTunes reviews this week. What is up with that, people? Get on this. Come on. We need some iTunes reviews. Make them snarky. Make them funny. And always make them five stars. Go ahead, Brian. If you want your question or comment read on the show, head over to GOG.show slash support and send us your feedback or questions that we can read on the air. And if you're so inclined, please head over to GOG.show slash iTunes and toss us a five-star and snarky review. Closing shout outs! A big shout out to the U.S. women's national team who uh, beat Brazil last night by a significant number of goals to uh, clinch the Tournament of Nations, the 2018 Tournament of Nations, uh, which really isn't much of a tournament. <laughs> Welcome to the to Tournament of Nations! nations. That nobody watches. Yes. Except Brian. <laughs> Except Brian. I did. I got a shout out to my brother who just turned 27 years old on the second, and he's finally getting his own apartment. That's the way millennials roll these days. So good for you, bro. Well, they they roll to their new apartment. Uh, well, limes. He's, he's definitely not rolling to his <laughs> new apartment in his Tesla Model 3 because he's still got nine months on the waiting list till it shows up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Uh, until next time, I'm Brian Schulmeister. And I'm Jason DeFilippo. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. To support the show and keep us on the air, go to patreon.com slash GOG. Give us all your monies so Brian can get Han Solo's jacket and I can get Indiana Jones's fedora because that would be really cool. Toss us a buck a month and we'll love you forever. If you'd like to give a one-time or recurring donation, go to GOG.show and click the PayPal button in the sidebar. For show notes for this episode, go to GOG.show slash 270. From there, you can find links to old episodes, leave feedback, ask questions, and get links to stuff we like. Stay grumpy, and we'll see you next week.